to Sessions by the Herb Life, a weekly podcast that brings you a new set of hosts every single episode discussing everything cannabis. Our aim is to highlight the efforts of women living, working, and playing in the cannabis arena, while also giving you a direct line into the conversations that are changing the landscape as we know it. My name is Tiana and I am the session's facilitator. I wrangle and lasso in an attempt to bring together some of the best forward thinkers of the cannabis industry. This episode was particularly challenging to pin down my two guests, so I'm glad the session was well worth it. Canada is on the world stage and the future of the global cannabis industry relies on us getting legalization right. This week's hosts, Barinda Rassode and Julie Domingo, discuss what is needed to create a better future for both new and old cannabis businesses in the developing legal cannabis industry. Legalization is, by all accounts, a step forward, yet it has produced a number of unintended consequences. For example, the stifling of information, the exclusion of craft brands, and restrictions on patients accessing their trusted sources legally. These are just some of the issues that have arisen in the wake of legalization. Julie and Berinda do a great job of highlighting why we need to find solutions to these issues and also provide us with some of their insights into how we might go about this. Julie is the CEO of Cannareps, a Canadian cannabis education course. Her work revolves around educating cannabis frontline workers and enthusiasts. I actually completed the Cannareps course last year, and one of the key takeaways for me, aside from the mind-bending dive into the complexities of the cannabis plant, was understanding that the science is constantly evolving, and that what we know today might not necessarily be the case tomorrow, so you got to stay fluid, people. As the CEO of Cannareps, she also had a hand in creating a company that clearly filled a need in the developing marketplace. Speaking of filling needs, this is something Berinda Rousseau knows quite a lot about. Now, by her own admission, she's relatively new to cannabis, and while this may be true in the traditional sense of time, it's safe to say that she has amassed a wealth of knowledge and a deep level of understanding of the cannabis industry as it applies to a developing market. So don't be fooled around minute 13 or 14 when she asks for clarification on terpenes. That's all for you cannabis newbies listening out there. What I love about Barinda is that she uses her experience from other industries and applies it to cannabis. She really puts her money where her mouth is. And this is something she often encourages other entrepreneurs to do. In her latest venture, she co-founded the cannabis incubator GrowTech Labs, who I'm very pleased to say have a mandate to support women and Indigenous-owned and led cannabis businesses. As you may have noticed, cannabis is booming and growth in the sector has brought in with it some aspects of traditional capital culture, a culture which is dominated by men. Just today, I saw some pretty clear statistics which highlight just how this has affected women in the industry. For example, out of 100 Canadian licensed producers, just eight have women CEOs. And in 2018, only 2.2% of venture capital funds were brought in by women founders. And these numbers are far less for women of colour. Now, that is not to say that we are doomed. Oh, no, no, no. Rather, it's encouraging when we see companies like GrowTech recognising the uneven playing field and doing something about it. I have a sneaking suspicion that women like Borinda are going to be pivotal in shaping the industry of tomorrow. Sessions is made possible with the help of our sponsors. Trust me when I say that good content takes a lot of time and it's all about collaboration in this industry. So we have some really great companies supporting us. 
Rainmaker, that is R-N-M-K-R, is Canada's leading cannabis communications agency, known for providing narrative creation, media relations, brand strategy, and advisory services to the most prominent brands in North America and overseas. Are you thinking of growing your own cannabis? Well, grow organically with Sonoma Seeds. You'll find the best cannabis strains from around the world at sonomaseeds.com. Hemper, it's the best 420 subscription service and online head shop. Their experts handpick 10 items every month to pack into your Hemper box, delivering $100 of value for only $29.99 right to your door. All boxes are shipped in plain packaging since Hemper values your privacy as much as their own. Visit hemper.co for more info. As usual, we're also giving away some great Herblife gifts. Each week, we give away a few copies of the new Herblife magazine, Volume 2, which was just released. So if you don't happen to win, you can also grab a copy online at theherblifestyle.com. In order to go into the draw, all you need to do is leave us a review on whatever platform you use to listen to sessions. You'll also go into the draw to win our grand prize at the end of the season, a PAX Vaporizer, which is coming up pretty soon, by the way. We're already halfway through season one. Unbelievable. When leaving a review, remember to leave your Instagram or Twitter handle so that we can contact you if you do win. For more great Herblife content, make sure you check us out online at theherblifestyle.com and follow us on whichever social channels we have in common. And now, without further ado, Berinda and Julie. So I want to start off, what is your favorite uh, like cannabis product that you like to like consume before um, you, you, know, you get into one of those like networking or um, uh, get togethers and things like that. Do you ever do that actually? Well, no. So that's interesting. I'm very new to cannabis. Okay, okay. Um, and my cannabis journey really is, uh, a lot of it revolved around my sleep. Um, so for me, my favorite product is an edible. And one of the things that I, um, find quite fascinating about cannabis as I'm learning is that, um, how my body responds, as we know, everybody's body responds very individually mm-hmm. to cannabis use is, uh, I get quite sleepy and subdued. So I think that um, that is what my body is needing. And I think that's how um, the plant responds to me is because it figures out what I need. For me, social environments is um, I'm very high energy and um, very social anyways. Uh, But I would take cannabis to be the opposite of being chatty and lively. It would be, you know, where I'm sitting, um, you know, listening to poetry, more of a subdued environment, more intellectual environment. But really, my cannabis journey started um, medicinally around um, my chronic back because of my back surgery and my sleep and edibles is what works for me. Oh, interesting. Yeah. How about you? I mean, you're, you uh, have a very unique way about you. And I'm always really... Um, happy to see diversity in the cannabis industry mm-hmm. you and i both come from communities that have very strong stereotypes yep. about cannabis use for and those that don't know yeah because you can't see us <laughs> um i'm uh, half Vietnamese, half chinese yes canadian and i'm canadian too um but i think our roots are deep in terms of our family and and because we're family-minded people there's lots of influence from family so first impression of for me of you is very um you're very engaging but you you educate people in a very respectful way like in a hey by the way did you know versus sort of making me ever feel like i didn't know enough which i want to thank you for 
you know what? Um, thank you. Yeah. Um, I, for me, definitely cannabis is one of those things that gives me so much energy and I am a high energy person, um, but it just allows me to like break through and I'm just at a whole another level. I'm vibing. And, um, and so that's why it works so well for me. And certainly there are uh, scenarios where um, I think the intention of the uh, of the cannabis use has that effect. So, for example, um, if I do an edible and it's like gearing towards uh, bedtime, I'm at home, I'm relaxing, watching a movie, I'm going to slip right into sleep, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But then if I go to, let's say, like a party or you're just feeling the energy of like everyone else and I just feel like I'm on fire, right? And then this is great because I don't need to take a single sip of alcohol or any mm-hmm. anything else and I'm just feeling amazing. And then this way I can... Um, I feel so much more connected and I just find everybody so interesting and I just really want to get to know them. So I really appreciate you uh, talking about the way we educate. I think that's like a real strong pillar of counter-reps is just being super humble mm-hmm. and having that um, humility because we don't own the knowledge or the information, right? We learn from others. And so when we learn from other masters and other mentors, and now it's our privilege for us to share that story. And that is what, what we represent. The very first lesson of what we do, that's that's um, the most important thing. So all of our canvas sommeliers, they really truly understand that. And that's how we create respect in the industry together. Well, I think that's a fascinating topic that you touched on around the education, because as somebody who was a bit of a naysayer, and then have tres- transitioned into understanding the plant and understanding that there's lots of different components of the plant. One of the things that I think was quite helpful to me in the pre-legalization world is the is the knowledge that I gained from people like you and Adolfo at Canaraps, but going into a dispensary where there's um, somebody who is who is not only experienced but really invested in my well-being. And um, one of the things that I have heard is now, for example, the Ontario cannabis stores. Uh, they're their rating on the the potency of the cannabis, they're listing it between like, oh, it could be anywhere between like what, 15 to 25? Well, that's a big difference. Oh, yeah. I so, think a range of 12 to 20. And I'm like, see, that's completely... Yeah. Right? Like they would never do that with any other consumable product. They wouldn't say, oh, maybe there's like 5 to 20 grams of sugar in there. So my concern is now that we're moving into this regulated market, all of the knowledge and experience that was made available to me because I was going into a dispensary that was able to guide and coach me uh, to get to where I needed to get to, that's not going to be there anymore. And and that I think is an unintended consequence of legalization. And I think that is also one of the reasons that we're not seeing those big, massive lineups that the US states had when um, cannabis was legalized. We had it for a day, but after there, there, you know, we've had what a cannabis retail outlet close because it's not financially viable. But did you ever in your wildest imagination ever think that would happen no and i think it's not just the problem of having that such a big range um, you know and i believe in like holistic naturopathic medicine you can have a 20 percent divergence right and that's that's like okay right but when you're talking about like 12 to 20 percent thc potency you know that can drastically affect someone mm-hmm. right Almost double. Yeah. And and so it's not just that, though. It's um, the way that terpenes are being reported. It's all showing... Um, oh, can I stop relative. you there? Can I yeah. stop? No, no. I want to say... 
Jessica, for a second, educate me again on terpenes. Yes. Well, well, basically what terpenes are, it's just the aromatherapy. It's the essential okay. oil produced by the plant, right? So like the sage store is all the terpenes? Sage, it's all terpenes. Oh, see, okay. all terpenes right? So terpenes aren't specific to just cannabis. Lemons have terpenes, uh, papaya, right? Watermelon, every, anything that has a fragrance has certain terpenes. Does that affect the aroma. impact on us, though? Um, absolutely. So that's the whole concept. Let's let's point out sage. Right? Yeah, yeah. So you go into the store and they're like, oh, let's make you feel all relaxed and good. And let's get you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can just like create this ambience. So guess what? What? Cannabis. Whenever you smoke it, you're like, oh, let's create this kind of ambience. And sometimes I feel high energy. Yeah. And sometimes I feel relaxed. Sometimes I feel, you know. Yeah, creative. yeah, yeah. And so it's the aromatherapy that's um, definitely playing an effect yeah. on you. Right. Okay, interesting. Oh, for sure. So that's why um, things that have like lemon or lemonine, um, which is that really a lot of like haze lineage or like lemon mm-hmm. tie, any citrus base, a lot of times are in sativas. People will um, associate it with more of like a high energy experience mm, okay. or um, creative or mind activating because when you smell it, it's like a, it brightens you up. Right. And then the, the, you know, opposing is sometimes you smell like that gasoline kind of skunky, it's like a heavier yeah, scent. Yeah. And then it, it just, it feels heavier and it makes you feel a little bit more relaxed, more sleepy. And that's what people associate with Indicas. Now that's just. Okay. Cause I've been reading, there is no such difference. That's right. And there is. What is that all about? I know. So that's, that's the text. <laughs> just as I was thing. learning, everybody's like, oh, throw that no, all it on. Is, it doesn't exactly. make sense. So it's a big question. Yeah. Uh, and it has been a big question for a long time. And there's a huge scientific debate about it. Yeah. And so this podcast is not long enough for that. Okay. <laughs> but essentially, um, Indica Sativa, like growers like to use that terminology yeah, yeah. because it describes the, the way a plant grows. So you can set up your room, how tall, how wide does it need to be? How do you space your plants apart, right? So it's a growth pattern because our shorter shrubbier sativas like taller, longer, right? But so now it's like, oh, how do you categorize, yeah. right? And so that is one of the, um, the lessons that we teach at Canada yeah. because you have to be able to properly respect the plant and not go all, yeah, who and how you want to describe it, but you want to be scientific so you can be confident. Well, I think that it's really important. It's not only just about the confident part, which is very important, but it's also about how you're able to educate and engage others. And so if there isn't clarity for people who are new, like me, or people who are researching because they're considering becoming a cannabis user, it's 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 complicated. Yes, it's, it's so skewed. Yeah. Um, even more so. So for example, let's go back to that whole um, way that terpenes are being reported. Yeah, yeah. So as I was saying, the way that um, the lab tests are showing is relative terpene profile. That makes me so angry because you're only seeing top three to five terpenes. And so let's say a cannabis uh, variety will have total content, 20% THC. Total content terpene average is like you know, anywhere around one percent. If you're above one percent, you're golden. Okay, so now instead of saying um, what percentage of terpene profile, like you're saying, okay, well, it's seventy percent myrcene, it's ten percent limonene, and it's twenty percent piney. If that's what's being and displayed, and you just made me dizzy. Well, the thing is, so why in total product is twenty percent? That makes sense. Yeah. Every gram yeah. is twenty percent. Right, you can expect 200 milligrams yeah. of THC. Okay, and then you talk about terpene, and you say 70% mercy. 
is the bud is not 70% yeah. and they're only testing for a limited number of terpenes and there's three, over 350 and then imagine all those combinations yeah so we don't know enough they're also only testing for like the top whatever 12 uh cannabinoids right and they're only reporting on thc and cbd there are other cannabinoids mm-hmm. that are are playing um, into your overall experience. Hence why you're talking about how do you be confident and assure others about the cannabis experience when there is a total entourage effect of, you know, the cannabinoids, the terpenes, the flavonoids, the plant waxes. Do you combust it? Do you bathe it? Do you eat it? So um, it's confusing. And how do you make someone feel comfortable about it? You give them a great first impression. You make them feel comfortable. Yeah. I'm here with you. We're here together, creating a space yes. that's comfortable. And you have to think different people have different ideas of comfort. See, and that's a really important topic. And that's one that I think is like creating space is so important. You know, I've I've been quoted many times as saying that we have to be very mindful of those who don't understand why legalization has happened or, or why people consume cannabis, uh, people who really feel like this is, should be still a controlled substance. Um, creating that space is really important. And the, the challenge becomes, I think, that because the plant is so complex and people forget that science is very, very important cannabis into this industry oftentimes people are still left with the impressions that it's just to get a buzz or a high or have a good time Um, and then people who don't know a lot about cannabis who then start to do some initial research feel completely overwhelmed Um, i still am not comfortable with my knowledge um, on the science of the plant part to know if a if a friend came to me and wanted a recommendation on on what what should happen and i think that's where i think as cannabis evolves and as as more and more people are trained to be like sommeliers like they are for wine um, to create that network where we can share the information my concern again another unintended consequence of legalization is the restriction of how we share information absolutely so you know um sometimes i think that um government in its responsibility to quote unquote protect community and citizens um creates uh these guidelines that are so rigid that if somebody and i use you know the example of if somebody is going to help support their elderly parent with their wellness asking the right questions where do you find the right answers when you're in that environment of the pressure of needing to buy something quickly and i'm concerned too with online when you look at the um the government's um you know retail either their retail stores or how they're privatizing stores none of that information is available and, and it's actually being discouraged from being shared because it's making medical claims. And and so that's a big concern for me on the education piece. And it's a concern for me personally, but it's also a concern for me about really normalizing cannabis. You're not gonna normalize it if people don't understand it. And then forgetting that it's just not about indica or sativa. It's not just about a vape pen versus the flower versus an edible. That to honor this plant, there, it is a complex plant, which is responding to a very complex system within a human, but that complexity isn't being simplified yet in any way. Yes. Yeah. You know what? I think it's maybe our um, culture's obsession yeah. with science. Yeah. And I love science. Don't get me wrong. Um, I, I wanted to be a rocket scientist. You know? Wow. Um, and one of um, the things about cannabis is that it is a plant. Yeah. It is from nature. Yeah. 
and um, in in a way, it's it's a response, um, and Earth made it for a reason, and humans interact with this plant for a reason. And so, the plant is higher than just science alone, because. For the ones that do consume cannabis, you didn't need science to tell you anything. Yeah. You could, and then you, what you did is the safest approach for anybody is to try a little bit of microdose. Do I react bad or not? It's okay, right? And then you can say, oh, do I feel better, worse, nothing? Okay, I'm a little bit more open to it. So it's a step by step by step. The problem is there's a lot of people that feel like, they are brave and courageous, but like, oh, you know, like they went to the bar and I had 15 drinks and then, yeah. or like, oh, I, I, I like had this massive worm dab and, and you're like, well, you know what, just be humble. We all react very differently to cannabis. So just try a little bit. And you know what? Sometimes doing a little bit makes you feel amazing. Too much makes you feel so heavy. Yeah. Right? So balance, right? Just with everything else in life too. Absolute balance. Yeah. And, and what I mean is that once, once you do consume it, you, you feel it. And there is something about intuition. And when you have, when you can tap into your intuition and cannabis really opens that up for you, um, you know it feels better. And same thing with cannabis people. You and I, we get each other. Uh, we get other yeah, cannabis yeah, users yeah. because there is just something about cannabis that opens you up to a connection, to collaboration, to patience, right? Um, and happiness and support. So I think for those out there, um, you know, it's not just the science is what you need. Um, sometimes it's having a little bit of um, curiosity and being safe about it and, and trying it. Yeah, and that's an excellent point about using intuition and actually being open to it. Um, as I, when I talked about my experience, I think my the edible responds in the way I need it to, right? Which is end of day, tired, yeah. a little achy. Oh, and you work so hard. Yeah, the back is, you know, the back starting this, you know, the surgery site where the L5 disc was removed sometimes in this weather and stuff. And so I think that, you know, you bring up some very important points, which is, you know, educate yourself balance is really important doing too much of anything whether it's working out eating spending it's bad it's the same with cannabis use and the other thing is that being open to the connectivity that it's going to create oh, right yeah. and and I, I i really do uh, hope that we don't change as a cannabis industry and family because that was one of the most striking things for me as somebody from the outside who was coming in and relying on people to teach me and guide me is that this fierce competitiveness and jealousy that sometimes grows as 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 people as industries grow isn't my experience is it hasn't been here yet yeah. there's a few things on the fringe that are just fundamental differences of values and opinions that people articulate but mostly most cannabis events um, are very welcoming and embracing um, it's really about creating human connections at a much deeper level than other things and I you know hope that we can maintain that culture and that tone in this industry because as industry gets bigger that gets lost sometimes absolutely and i think that's why um you know if you're starting a business um in this industry it's important to infuse into your business core values these concepts so the the i'm um, 
the pillar of compassion is very strong in many cannabis businesses. Um, at CanReps, it is for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we we start with compassion. We do this because we train others because we feel that we want to help mm-hmm. empower them. Mm-hmm. And whenever we they come across a challenge, mm-hmm. then we use our compassion to really help them. Mm-hmm. And we know that cannabis, um, the, the reason why we're here, why it's legal in the first place, is because it was made legal for medical reasons. See, and that's a point we need to get across more. Um, I think one thing that's going to happen is we're in an election year and um, I'm very political by nature. I, you know, I've been elected to office, so I understand that that's a completely separate culture than a lot of professions and industries oh. is, is the challenge is going to be is that a lot of Canadians don't understand why we legalized in the first place. Um, U.S. states that legalized it, it's through a referendum, so the pro and con side debated it out. And we're in a situation here where we have some people scratching their head. And I think that's evident if we look at the number of municipalities that are opting out of allowing cannabis, either retail or industry, in their community. And I think that's a direct consequence of people having forgotten why the government was actually forced to move forward with legalizing cannabis for medicinal use um, was because the court said, hey, patients have a right to access cannabis. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I think I would love to see a study 10 years down the road after legalization, you know, what that overall impact is going to be on our economy. Yes. Right. On our cultural values. Right. And if this this concept of compassion and love support, that cannabis connectivity, how, how that shapes our culture. So that's why I love the scenario that we're in right now, because Canada is a very powerful, influential country. Mm-hmm. And so we have the opportunity to showcase Canadian values, because I feel that we are one of the friendliest, kind people mm-hmm. on earth. Mm-hmm. And then now we're on, on a stage. How are we doing, uh, how are we legalizing cannabis? What is our expression of it? If Canada was to do it best, what does that look like? That's an excellent point um, because you're right. On the world stage, we are often used as an example of a very compassionate country. And I think the fact that we've legalized cannabis and the world is looking at us as um, uh, to be the example of how they roll out legalization, whether it's in uh, other countries in the Commonwealth like the UK or countries like Australia, or if it's countries like South America and, you know, now the Bahamas and Jamaica. Yeah. Um, Even South Korea. Yeah. Oh, see, and who would have thought, right? Oh, yeah. Right. And I I don't think that even though there seems to be this cultural bias here in Canada by Chinese and South Asian uh, Canadians. I don't think the governments are going to be far behind at seeing the economic opportunities here, yes. right? Yes. Um, so I, you know, I think that's really important for all of us is to remember that we are we are paving a path, and so how we do that is very very important because if we mess it up, that might be cause for this to slow down for the rest of the world as well. Oh, I know, and the thing is, like the runway is rather short because yeah. um, other countries might have. Um, cheaper land, yeah. longer growing cycles, uh, need different regulations. Oh, 100%. Right? <laughs> Make it easier for yes. everybody. More yeah. people, cheaper labor. Right? And, and outdoor climate to grow. There's, yeah. there's, there's so many areas in the whole world yeah. where it just grows naturally. So for, so if Canada wants to do it right, yeah. you better do it right yeah. real fast, real soon, because yeah. everybody else will catch up. Yeah. So let's talk about what what you're doing uh, to help advance this. 
Well, um, you know, I, I'm super proud of the team at GrowTech Labs. GrowTech Labs is an accelerator. We are uh, funding and guiding companies who are dealing with pain points in the cannabis industry. Uh, really important for us to eliminate barriers. So we have a stream of funding for women-led businesses a stream of funding for Indigenous-led businesses, and then a stream of funding for anybody and everybody. And and really what's important to us is that we are accelerating growth of those people who are going to help elevate the entire industry. So the first company we funded was uh, Elevated Signals. Oh, wonderful. Uh, yeah, big contract with somebody, right? Well, they, they've done extremely well. They've worked with Anandia, Blisco, and right. the Tantalus. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's great. Yeah. And then we announced also so uh, the co-op, the co-op of small and medium um, producers and processors. And why that's important is because we need to honor the people who have done this right for a really, really long time. And what the co-op will allow is for a collective environment where costs are shared and risk is um, minimized because it's shared. And we will be bringing into the legal fold pre-legalization growers, and they will deal with the pain points of the supply shortage and the issue, the question of quality. Now, a lot of people who have been uh, cannabis uh, consumers or have been using it medicinally have found um, where they go to get their cannabis, they trust that source. They know it works for them. They have certainty. They have consistency. And that's what's missing from the legal um, product right now. So what we want to do is to allow those people to purchase legally the products that they've been purchasing in the pre-legalization market for years because it works for them. And I know how particular I can be on products that I use for my wellness and the anxiety I get, even if it's something as ridiculous as my perfume being discontinued, yeah. right? And so can you imagine that if you have a wellness regime that you have gotten to after sometimes a long time of testing different things it's part of your lifestyle hundred percent and now it's not available like that is a that is uh that is a very heavy burden on an individual to then try to figure out how to source something so i think you know we're very excited about the co-op and really what it's about is um making sure that um everybody is given an equal chance to succeed that's awesome yeah. i so love that you know um how cattle reps um, has been supported by is actually yeah. the craft industry. Yes, and so people ask like, how do you ha how do you have all this amazing cannabis product for us to like taste, touch, mm -hmm. look, handle, and learn about? And and when we teach about certain varieties, you know, you you can't even buy it anymore, yeah. right? And the thing is, the lesson the lesson of the original land race strain when we developed Afghan number one, they're like. Whoa, it's like a relic almost, right? And so that teaches a lesson. The reason why we have access to it is uh, the craft world, mm -hmm. right? And I feel in BC, we're so loyal to that. And when you look at the be. sales numbers, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, every other province is doing really well recreational sales. The recreational sales in BC is low because, you know, I didn't need to buy anything. <laughs> well, and, see, and and the other thing is there was all the, I was on Canada Pot Stocks, our weekly uh, yeah. cannabis uh, radio show. And um, the host was reading, Steve Feldman was reading an article to me about, you know, the amount of legal cannabis that's been purchased in BC. And I said, the key word in that sentence is legal. Yeah. Right. If anybody is looking at that stat and thinking that BC is consuming less cannabis than the rest of the country. Yeah. Well, that's actually not true. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. key word there is legal. Yeah. And, and so I really want to support the regulated legal industry. Yeah. But I think we need to give 
consumers and patients more options then? Yeah, of course, of course. And I feel that that's where um, what's super cool is we have a lot of alignment there, yeah. right? Because, you know, you first mentioned with GoTech Labs, it's like, look, we're, we're helping companies help other companies yeah. in the cannabis yeah. industry thrive because everybody needs that kind of support. And I feel, you know, as a young entrepreneur, you know, I'm trying to navigate my way through yeah. this and breaking through all these barriers. And sometimes you have to, you have to make things up and create unprecedented ideas and be super creative and to just go for it mm -hmm. and, and, and see what sticks. Right. And so I love how, um, you know, you, whenever I ask questions, you're always there to help. You always provide connections to whoever I need to talk to. So it's something where we definitely feel value, right? If we are not good growers, if we are not, you know, good, let's say um, being a retailer these days is real tough. Oh, uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. So if, um, if you can't be at the beginning of the chain or at the end of the chain, how do you support everything else in between? Yes, right. Good point. And that's where um, I would say uh, education has a huge role to play there. Um, the, when we set out to educate um, the industry, we're we're like, okay, you know, first of all, you're gonna find passion in this, and we're going to empower you with skills. Because mm -hmm. like every single cannabis sommelier that walks away can say, okay, I can identify Kush lineage, I can identify an Afghan lineage, um, I can grade quality. Mm -hmm. And if you can talk about quality properly, mm -hmm. then you're talking about it in a compliant way because you don't have to always include that um, conversation about the fact. Right. So then, of course, um, you know, it, it goes on in terms of the influence of how this affects the industry overall. So whether you're a retailer or if you're even growers benefit uh, from the course because they can take a look mm -hmm. at all the different lineages, retail distribution reps. They're the, they're the ones that are supporting the retailers and um, like at the dispensaries. And you have to be experts. You have to be ahead of the game. Right? So you have to be very high level knowledge, right? So education is a huge component of it. And I would say mentoring support through go yeah. labs, like that's huge. You have a pretty big network. Right? We, we are blessed to have a very big network. And one of the things that I was most fascinated by at our meet and greet uh, with our mentors for GrowTech Labs, because we have mentors who are cannabis industry mentors, and then we have uh, mentors that are general business industry. Yes. And I found it fascinating that this um, little event that we had um, at GrowTech Labs to welcome the mentors, it really struck me that cross-pollination still needs to happen much more between the cannabis industry and other um, business and professional and community organizations. And it, it, people were fascinated to meet each other. They were fascinated to learn. And uh, the number of people who said, that was just amazing. It really highlighted the fact that we do have to do more cross-pollination so that we're building on the strengths of, and taking what people have to offer in their professions and in their personal styles and incorporate it to make a bigger part of a successful whole because you're absolutely right. It's very uncertain times for people. Uncertainty is very bad for business. Uh, the regulations, a government took the approach. They didn't want to let the genie out of the bottle. They wanted to just take a very thoughtful, cautious approach. So there's still a lot left to fix and that will be fixed with time. But what's really important is making sure that we're relying on support from untraditional places. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's important. For sure. I, I would agree. I think, you know, sometimes the old school cannabis community might feel, I don't know if the word intimidated or put off by 
um, stiff suits? Well, because our experience hasn't been good. So we, traditionally, uh, I think a lot of people who have championed legalization have not been treated well. They haven't been treated well by the media. They haven't been treated well by government. They haven't been treated well by the corporate world. So if they're approaching this with a lot of caution, I completely understand that. But one of the hard life lessons that I learned many, many years ago is we forget to redefine our relationships. You know, we either with our family, friends, co-workers, if something happened 10 years ago, we seem to put that same lens on that person or that situation 10 years later. But 100% guarantee that you've changed, that person's changed, and a lot of things that were factors in the situation have changed. So maybe it's just time to say, hey, let's do a reset. Let's redefine our relationships. Let's say, let bygones be bygones. We've had differences of opinion. Um, I, you know, encourage that the media is trying now to make a different level of effort in terms of images that they're using or the way they're telling stories. There's lots of work to do, but in fairness to them, there's been massive cuts in the media over years and they don't have the same time uh, or resources to do a deep dive to really learn about something. So why don't we be partners and when we don't like something that's said or done, instead of just hammering people over the head, why don't we write to them and say, oh, by the way, did you know and present them the facts? Because publicly shaming people are calling them out. And, and you know, this new social media world has made it really easy for people to do things that they wouldn't do face to face with a human. But it's really easy to do with your keyboard behind a screen. Let's not be on the attack mode. Let's be on the, hey, I didn't agree with you. And this is why, uh, which is, I think, more helpful than saying, you guys are just idiots and we don't want to have anything to do with you. That's right. Yeah. yeah taking out the judgment. Yeah. Right? That's the good way to put it. Yeah. Let's oh, take out the judgment. For sure. For sure. Right. And, um, and of course we have all past experiences that can lead to that. hundred percent. Yeah. Right. Um, but I feel, um, I feel liberated because I had to hide my cannabis use for so long. Um, and you know, I was in the corporate world and a lot of times I was judged, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and then I created that mistrust. Oh, absolutely. There, yeah, right? yeah. So, um, and so let's let's talk to um, you know, like the, the entrepreneurs out there, and if we were to give any kind of advice, how do you know, you know, um, how do you build a team, or how do you know who to work with, mm-hmm. who to collaborate with? Because mm-hmm. everything is uncertain. Yes, you yeah. know, everyone is saying I'm an expert in this, but there is no proof yeah. of it yet, right? So, what's your selection criteria? You know. Um, it's interesting. So my selection criteria is everybody and anybody. Yeah. Because it has to be, right? Uh, I think taking the time to get to know people, to get to hear new ideas, uh, being open to a new way of doing things is really, really important in such a fast-paced new industry. And I think the criteria is really the intention to want to invest your person and of your resources towards positive change. Absolutely. Right. Cookie cutter approaches don't always work. Uh, It's really important to look at each individual and each situation with a completely clear lens. It's about calling, checking in on our own personal biases. I don't care how evolved somebody is. There is still that voice inside your head that puts your own experience in as a bias and, and, Checking your own personal bias is a really, really tough thing to do. In the moment. In the moment. But the value that will come from that is going to open you to an entire new 
way of doing things. And we all know that if you want to do things big, you have to be open to a new way of doing them. I agree. I agree. So a lot of times, you know, you think you have the best, grandest idea. Yeah. Um, and then you you can't do it all no. by yourself. You, no. you really can't, right? If you really want true big impact, then of course you must collaborate. Yeah. And so if that collaborator comes in and, and it's just like, you know what, that idea wasn't so good. Or um, let's take a look at it this way and, you know, let's try to bring in other ideas. And, and you feel, oh, my, my baby idea, yes. my babies. I don't want to let go of my baby. Founder syndrome. Right. right? <laughs> uh, but the thing is, um, one of the bigger bigger lessons that I've learned in, in 2018 was just being um, able to drop that idea, learning that it's not a, a change against you or you're not breaking anything down. You're truly having a different perspective. Mm-hmm. So it's training yourself to have a different perspective and truly empathize with other people. And you're like, okay, I see your perspective. Mm-hmm. What your point makes sense. There mm-hmm. is rationality mm-hmm. there. And let's give it a try. Yeah. And when you give it a try, yeah. everybody needs to commit Okay, so if you don't agree with an idea, if you want to show and be a team player, you need to drop your personal idea and just commit with what the team overall needs because that is how you get things done. That, and that's very important advice. And here at GrowTech, um, I'm not, I always say I'm not the expert on anything. What I'm good at is bringing the right people together who are really good at things. And that's a key point with any accelerator or capital fund like we are, is to make sure that we are, are nurturing people who come into the GrowTech family by making the proper connections, um, but also doing exercises that help them process their way of thinking to see if their way of thinking is actually what's best suited for their business, or if it's time for them to pay because I think there's also the other thing that is hard to do sometimes, which is to recognize that your business that is at a different phase in its growth. So you need different talents at different phases. Yes. What you need as your startup seed team is very different than when you have grown to the place where you have 50 employees, um, going from one customer to 10 to 100 customers, but making sure that not only that you're not married to your idea, but you're also mindful that your team has a certain skill set that's really good for a certain phase of your business. But as the business grows, those might not be the right people to do as much as they were doing. So good examples of that are, are in business in the areas of HR and finance. Right. At some point, the founder and the startup team is doing everything. But then when you've got 50 employees, should you as the CEO, quote unquote, CEO, still be doing the HR and the finance? Probably not. Probably those are two key roles that you need to bring in different talent for. They don't have to have the same understanding of your business that you did at the startup, but you have to evolve. That's yeah. true. That's true. And so sometimes, you know, when you start up your own company, you're like, all right, I'm going to be CEO and I'm yeah. going to be my own boss. Then um, let's say $50 million later. Yeah, which would be a good thing <laughs> in a way. Yeah. You, yeah. Know, um, you know, are you really the right person to be the CEO of $50 million company? Or a five hundred million dollar yep. company? Um, have you have you operated a billion dollar company before? I don't know. Maybe you're really good at the startup phase, and you got to pass the torch. So just to have that humility and say, "Hey, you know what? You're not always going to be yes. the one to make yes. to call all the shots." Yeah. 
Um, team building is super important. And as much as you want to select your team for you to, in order to grow, you have to trust your team members to really make other good decisions too, of bringing new people on. And you all have to make it work. You all have to make it work. And you are absolutely right uh, that each uh, different level of the company needs different skills and abilities and uh, making sure that you remain a part of it. But as a team member, maybe in a different role that is still serving the best interest of not only your company, um, but all of those who have believed in you and invested their time and money, right? And I think that's the hardest thing sometimes. And, and you know, it saddens me when I read headlines recently of, of people who have been founders and in, in key positions who uh, I think sometimes unintentionally in the new regulated industry aren't fully aware of regulations and guidelines. So we're seeing a lot of people, um, you know, in, in, in being called out for things that they're doing in their business and losing their position or, or companies having their licenses suspended. Yes. And I think, a lot of drama. yeah, right. A lot of drama. And, and I think that that drama can be prevented if companies are very well aware, uh, assessing their leadership team for each phase of their business and adding to the team to make sure that the proper knowledge is there to, in the best interest of the business. That's right. Um, it's having a backup plan. hundred percent. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and, and definitely it's important to have that. But at the same time, like I struggle with that on a daily basis because people are like, okay, who makes up your team? Yeah. And I say unicorns. <laughs> Do you put that on your deck? Well, geez, <laughs> where else am I going to find someone who has years of experience working in the industry yeah, and knows no. how to grow, yeah, yeah. understands yeah, the yeah. history and the culture yeah. kind of is, right? Yeah. Respects the plant so much. And then, of course, never mind the skills of presentation of how to teach people and how to yeah. really create a good learning experience, right? So yeah. it is it is a real challenge. That is for sure. With that said, what kind of legacy do you want to leave? Oh, so this is a... Thank you for this question because um, for me, the legacy around educating people so that there's a smooth transition for legalization, that's why I founded the National Institute for Cannabis Health and Education. Uh, we've come into the cannabis industry to be a bridge to bring people together. And then I think the legacy of uh, really honoring pre-legalization cannabis industry, whether it's the activists, the growers, the producers, the retailers, um, and making sure that we are creating a comfortable space for them to thrive under a regulated industry. And I, I think the legacy of making sure that women are not only given a seat at the table, but women are supported in the way they needed to be to be the leaders. A lot of women are leaders. They're not comfortable with that title. They're not comfortable with the feeling of power. And I think that collectively we need to nurture more women to say, put their hand up and say, I'm ready. I'm going to do this. And we be there uh, as a safety net for when things don't go well, because no matter how good you are, what you do, there will be periods of your time where things do not go well. And it, and it's to do it on people's own terms. And that's a really big mandate at Grow Tech Labs. You know, if you look at how we've marketed and branded this, it's a very, very soft, feminine um, branding. That's not to exclude men. That is to communicate in a way that is being different than how um, companies have communicated. Um, and we're happy that the level of engagement we have from women, I think, is uh, has increased because of the nature of how we are approaching this. Absolutely. Yeah. The time is ripe for yeah. that. You know, there's a women's empowerment movement happening now, you know, with 
whether that's coming from the entertainment industry, definitely the cannabis industry. Like, what is the cannabis flower that we smoke? She's a female plant. Mm-hmm. And so there is a message that is ready um, and it needs to be shared. Mm-hmm. And so that is the legacy that Canarex wants to leave, you know, is to first empower all and educate mm-hmm. all so that you can have your own personal confidence. You can trust in your own yeah. independent skills on cannabis product knowledge. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And how to serve others and how to guide people to match their preferences to quality, potency, taste, to the right product. Um, And of course, share that message of compassion. There's a deep-rooted value there, right? Because we just truly want to help people. We have helped so many people. People tell us we change their lives in every interaction. It's a life-changing experience. And of course, the way to unite. So in our experiences, we create um, these communities. And when there once, oh, I didn't know that it was okay to be open about my cannabis use, but I'm in a room with a whole bunch of other eager learners. And, and they just instantly feel comfortable. When we teach about land-based varieties, we take people around the world. And then you feel united out of that too. Yeah. And it does not matter. Like you're not taking race into it. No. You're just taking like this... What's so special about this region? Yes. Yep. And so it's kind of like food, right? I think we could just end a war right now if we just shared each other's food, right? You just had a yep, great yep, dinner yep. and you're like, wow, you feel nothing but good and hot love yep. and your heart. Same thing with cannabis. And if you want to try, let's say um, that I keep on talking about like a Hindu Kush variety. And so, yeah, like, let me take you there. Yeah. And so what's your ethnic background? So I, I'm Indian. Um, I was born in India, in northern India, in Punjab, um, community of farmers. And I came to Canada when I was nine months old, but grew up with, with a very, um, very Indian family. And so, no, for sure, right? Yeah. And and that's why I began the podcast joking about when I meet people who come from different the diverse backgrounds, it warms my heart because I think that's another important piece is that we have to have people at the table who are representative of our community. Oh, yeah. And that's right? the thing, right? So in India, like, cannabis grows naturally there. Oh, right? bigger. I've seen plants yeah. bigger than, taller than, like, six-foot men, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 It's just, so it's there. And actually, in India, lots of places, cultures around the world, there's not... As of a strong stigma no. as there is in Canada. And well, the US. and so this is the interesting thing I think happens, which is a bigger study with um, immigrant communities, is that the countries that they come from have evolved, but they really hold on to the traditional values that they brought with them in the period of time that they immigrated to this country. So you're absolutely right. People in those countries are more open about um, cannabis than some of the people who have come into this country um, because they brought the biases of that time when they immigrated and they haven't shifted. Yeah. So we joke about that sometimes. On It's not even a joke, but it's a conversation around gender issues and other progress, whereas the countries that people immigrated from have moved beyond leaps and bounds, but people who came here still only remember their experience in that time. So it's again about redefining, taking off all of our lenses and redefining everything. Absolutely. So it's a way to unite people, yeah, yeah, to build yeah, community, yeah, yeah. to create support, to educate, yeah. right? To yeah. bring great minds together. Yeah. And that's why you and I yeah. are in the same room together. Yes, that's right. Yeah. 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 And yeah. so, you know what? Um, I just really thank you for your time. Um, every time we get together, it's real cool. And same, right? Yeah. <laughs> and what's real cool is that we like tend to share a drink together. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and and the thing is, like, 
that's that's from one of my ways to create a friendship. Well, and it's a very good way to create a friendship. And I hope that we get an opportunity to not only create a lot of friendships, but deep, meaningful ones where we continue to work and support each other. And I hope that the cannabis industry stays with um, the intention that it began with, which is around everybody doing well together as we support people to find their best formula for wellness based on what the plant has to offer. Okay, cool. So if someone was wanting to get help yeah. from you, uh, what's the best way to reach you? Yeah, so if there's a, a either an education piece, um, nichecanada.com, and then for GrowTech as the accelerator, uh, it is growtechlabs.com. If you have a neat idea, uh, you can, it can either be at the seed stage or it can be more evolved at the acceleration stage. Um, we will consider applications and support people in any way that we can. So just go online and apply. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Brenda. Thank you, Julie. Yeah. And for cannabis, if anyone is interested in, you know, getting a deep level of understanding of cannabis, um, handle cannabis products, join a community yeah. of other passionate uh, consumers and entrepreneurs, yeah. uh, come to our cannabis sommelier course. We take it across the country. Um, and the reason why is we really believe that cannabis is a multi-sensory experience. So to learn about it, you need to do it in person. And it's a, it's a really fun, exhilarating experience. And everybody, of course, just loves the yeah. cannabis tasting at the end, yeah. right? So, yeah. 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 <laughs> so to check that out, uh, go to uh, canarreps.ca. All right. So thank you, Rinder. Thank you. Well, a big thank you to this session's hosts, Julie Domingo and Barinda Rousseau, clearly two very well-versed and intelligent cannabis industry professionals. Make sure you give them a follow on social media, and while you're at it, follow The Herb Life as well and sign up to our email subscription for up-to-date info on sessions and tons of great articles showcasing exactly what The Herb Lifestyle is all about. A big thank you to everyone listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sessions. Sessions by Herb Life is a production of Blue Dream Media, produced by Tiana Matliowski and executive producer Jill Pollard.